Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Leslie visits Disney's new Pixar Place Hotel and tells us whether it's worth it staying there at Disneyland. Find all episodes of this podcast anywhere you can find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review. You can also find us on YouTube now, youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. We'd really appreciate it if you could like and subscribe there. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can receive bonus content, and paid subscribers can receive ad-free episodes. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So Leslie, last week, as we're recording this, took a quick trip down to Disneyland and packed a lot into that trip. So we're going to talk about a few things today. Pixar Place, the Lunar New Year celebrations, and also Sweetheart's Night, an after-hours event that Leslie went to. Before we get started, really quickly, want to thank a couple of new and returning Patreon supporters, NM. And Steve K, we just really want to thank you for your support and for subscribing. Just as a reminder, you can subscribe to Disney Deciphered at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where all paid subscribers will receive ad-free content and also, depending on your level, various types of bonus content, including trip reports from Leslie's last trip. Although, do you still owe one? Because Leslie did fall ill after Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Still owe one bonus update, but... Hopefully by the time this goes live, that will have long been live. Indeed, indeed. All right, so let's get into it. Leslie, you stayed at the new Pixar Place Hotel, which I almost said pier there. You stayed at the new Pixar Place Hotel, which is an update of the old Paradise Pier Hotel, which has long been kind of the black sheep of the Disneyland Resort hotels. And so I'm really curious what your thoughts were, Leslie. They're, they made a big deal about renovating and retheming this entire hotel and making it Pixar Place. So aside from, I know I saw your Instagram story where you walked in and Bing Bong was standing right there. Amazing. But aside from that, I mean, I'm sure that was A plus all the way around. I would love to hear your thoughts and your experiences about Pixar place hotel man it is it is hard to not say pixar pier i must say i'm never gonna get the name right let's just start with that between all of the places and palaces and whatnot that we have right now at disneyland we have tiana's palace pixar place pixar pier paradise grill like i I don't know this is just gonna be an absolute mess and i will never get the nomenclature right so what what chance does a regular disneyland visitor have They've taken alliteration too far, yes. Leslie. Okay, we're, far. we're big fans of alliteration, but they've gone too far. I mean, let's start with the basics. I know that that hotel, <laughs> Pixar that Place Hotel, Knee <laughs> Paradise Pier, it, it always was the cheapest Disneyland resort, like on-site resort. What are the prices looking like now that it's been rethemed? Is it still around the same price point that it was before? It's definitely bumping up a bit. It was incredible incredibly overpriced, in my opinion, in the past when it was Paradise Fear. I was really down on the hotel the last couple of years. The the last time I stayed there was for the opening of Galaxy's Edge because there were benefits to staying on property. So I just went with the cheapest on-property hotel. And it was 
it was in bad shape then. And I mean, it needed a renovation for the better part of a decade already. So I thought it was a terrible value before. And so as, as I suspected, the prices have gone up a bit. I paid $405 a night plus tax, but that's the lowest I've seen. And I've priced out a lot in the future. Like it is, it's creeping closer to $500 a night now. So that's sort of what folks should keep in their mind for what it's going to look like in 2024. And guys, the limit on the Grand Californian. So, you know, I guess if you're using that as your barometer, it's it's to- still worlds apart. But this is not a value resort. That's what people need to know. This is not a value resort. Disneyland does not have value resorts. I mean, you can get deluxes for less than this at Disney World if you get a good deal, right? Yeah. Like we've been saying all year, all of 2024, we've been seeing deluxe resorts, beach club, yacht club in the 300s, high 300s, but still in the high 300s per night this summer. So over 400, pushing 500. We should also note that Disneyland, they do sometimes run room discounts, but Compared to what Walt Disney World has been in 2024 and what we've been saying ad nauseum, like nowhere near the level of aggressive discounts. And I do not expect to see aggressive discounts in 2024 for these hotels. So you're looking four to $500, maybe if it's on sale, three to $400, but it's not a cheap hotel. I also know that there's a club level that's coming later. So we're not going to talk about that since it doesn't quite exist right now. But let's talk about the retheme. So you know, the rooms have never been something that you were super excited about. Do we put lipstick on a pig or does it feel a little bit more substantial than that? Thankfully, it's more substantial than that. I came in being very suspicious. I thought, you know, am I going to see like a lot of cracks here? But they did a complete gutting of these rooms, all new furniture, complete bathroom renovation, like down to, you know, the drywall, I think, in terms of what they did. So new everything. Like I think if for folks who have stayed there in the past, you probably remember in the bathroom, the counter used to be really low, which was great if you had young kids. But if you were an adult staying by yourself, you were like, why is the counter so low? The counter is higher now. So they like put in everything that is brand new. So it does feel like a fully, fully renovated hotel on the inside. And in the rooms themselves, a, a great mural of different Pixar characters, very bright, very colorful. I think a lot of folks are going to like the the floor design. It's hardwood, but then right around the beds, there's a very thin carpet. So for folks who like to step onto carpet, but then who kind of find maybe carpet in the whole room gross, it strikes that right balance. And the bathroom looks bright and white, shiny. It My room at least did have a shower very big walk-in shower. So folks with young kids should be aware of that. That's kind of the trend that Disney is going right now is putting these big glamorous showers in their hotel rooms. So not not ideal if you need to bathe a little kid, but I, I am guessing that there is probably some rooms that have bathtubs for folks who, who need them. And then the rooms are big. I mean, that's the good thing about this hotel. And when it was built, the bones, like the rooms are quite spacious, more spacious than the Grand and most of the rooms at the Disneyland Hotel. Those are a little bit more variable because of the different towers there. But every room has, well, let me take that back. Every two queen room has the day bed that turns into like a small twin where you can sleep five to a room. So this is really good for families. And, you know, not every room at the Disneyland Hotel has that. Not every room at the Grand has that. So this is going to give families of five, yours, Joe, a little more space. That's great. So the theming obviously is Pixar themed. Is it like 
Disney Cruise Line, the new Disney ships where every room has like a different character potentially, or is it all kind of the same throughout? As far as I know, it's all the same throughout. Like our mural had a bunch of different characters on the wall. So if I, I stayed at the Disneyland Villas a few months ago, if you'll remember right, and those rooms all had different. So like I had a Tiana room, but there are rooms for other characters at the villas. So this this seems to be more standard, which makes sense. I mean, this is supposed to be not a value, but still the lowest tier of the Disneyland hotels. So it makes sense. It's a little more cookie cutter, but again, it doesn't feel that way. And really was impressed by the room situation. I will say they do have a lot of connecting rooms at this hotel. And we did hear some significant noise through the connecting door in our room. So that's something, I mean, I've had that same problem with the Grand Californian, but that's something that folks need to be aware of. But of course, if you need two rooms as a family, then it's great. But definitely, definitely some noise because this of when this hotel was built, there's only so much they can do, I think, to, to soundproof. So bing bong aside, how did you feel about the common areas? And was that like a just weird thing? Or do they have characters wandering around? I know it's only been a couple weeks, right? So was bing bong, you know, is he just for, you know, when they open things up, they have it all shiny and fun and nice. But what was your impression of all of that? They have said he's going to be a permanent fixture. So this is not just for the opening week. He is around the lobby. I think warmer days, he goes up by the pool. So he's there not all day, you know, kind of at sort of peak times, I think in the afternoon or when he's around, you know, you might remember there used to be a character meal in this hotel at the PCH Grill a long time ago, and they are not opening a character meal in this hotel. They've turned over the restaurant to a third party to run. So I guess this is sort of how they're making up for it by having Bing Bong and a character meet and greet. And then there's also Joe from Soul, the 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 main character in Soul is also playing sometimes at the piano. I did not see him, but I think folks, you at least get two possibilities of, of running into a character without paying for a character meal. So I guess that's a bonus, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love that ambiance. Is Joe a face character? It's got to be a face character, right? It can't be someone yeah. in like a huge, like the inc- like the Edna Mode co- costume, but playing the piano and a joke. Yeah, it's got to no, be real a guy, real face guy. character. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, we've talked about the Grand Floridian before and just about how having that music and that ambiance is always really good. So that's great to hear. What about the pool? I know, you know, pool theming is big in Disneyland. So what are we looking at here at Pixar Place? So the pool is up on not the top rooftop, but kind of a lower level rooftop. I think it's maybe like above the parking deck or adjacent to that. So it's a few floors up. So it's kind of an urban pool area. If you have stayed at like, you know, a city hotel where it's not giant. So it's not like the Grand Californian, not like the Disneyland Hotel. It's a small rectangular pool, but then there's a splash pad area adjacent to it. That's really, really cute with all the underwater Pixar characters, Nemo, etc., and a water slide and a really nice splash pad. Like this is a great, great splash pad for little kids. Certainly better than what is the at the Grand Californian, maybe even for younger kids equivalent to the fun at the Disneyland Hotel. But although that's far, you know, more extensive for bigger kids with many more water slides. So I, I, pool gets, gets two thumbs up. There's even some hangout areas with like shuffleboard and some other activities. And there's going to be a poolside restaurant. It wasn't open when I was there. And I think it's coming fairly soon. So you can kind of hang out there like a check-in day, get poolside food. It's much needed because the one major criticism I have is the food situation right now is not good. I was staying with a friend. She checked in early. 
much earlier than I did. I got in late, late at night and she was hungry and she was trying to figure out where to get a meal and you know, without like sitting down at the Great Maple Restaurant, which is where the character meal used to be. And there's just not a lot there. Like it's not fully a destination hotel like the Disneyland Hotel and the Grand are. So just think about like that. There's a lot of great amenities and there's a lot going on, but unlike it, like a moderate or a value at Walt Disney World where you have a food court, you don't have that full service available. It's a much smaller property. So I think they've adjusted the the amenities accordingly. How long is the walk to downtown Disney? You know, is that like an option for food? I mean, obviously your friend got in late, but if there are not that many food options at Pixar Place, how, how long is it going to take to get to downtown Disney and to get some of the food options there? It's a little bit of, the, of a walk. I mean, more than five minutes, right? If you sort of are going around and then you're coming in the far end of downtown Disney, which is under massive construction, like there's nothing there. So you actually have to go further into downtown Disney. So I think really to have meaningful food choices, you're looking at about a 10 minute walk. I mean, you could go across the street to the Grand Californian. That's a possibility because where you come out of the Pixar Pier Hotel, then you you can walk across to like where the drop-off area is is of the Grand. So that's probably your best option is grabbing something at, you know, Hearthstone, GCH Grill, those those kind of places over there. Yeah, so speaking of the Grand Californian, I one thing I didn't know about Pixar Place until you I actually saw your Instagram story about it is that Pixar Place has a dedicated entrance into California Adventure. It's kind of funny it like you walk past the Grand Californian entrance and you go through this side passage. And then I think it puts you out by Pixar Pier, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, gosh, of course. But yeah, what was your experience with that entrance? I mean, it did seem like a decent walk, but I still think that that is it, it feels like a nice perk to have to have a quicker access into the park. Not quite, you know, we're not talking Grand Californian. You just go downstairs and the entrance is right there, but still it's dedicated. I'm hoping security lines are a little bit better there too and stuff like that. Yeah, so that is a really nice perk. And that came back last year. That was something that used to be there, you know, way back like a decade ago and it closed for many, many years, long before COVID. And so I was really glad to see that come back because I think you need a little perk given the distance of Paradise Pier <laughs> Pixar Place. We're never going to get it right, Joe. So given the distance, it's nice to have that. You do kind of cross the street, walk towards the Grand Californian, and you kind of uh, meander your way through some corridors behind the Grand Californian to be dropped off in Pixar Pier area by Goofy Sky School. So it's great if you need to go back, if you're... And, for a mid-afternoon break with little kids, the walk is so much easier, especially if you're having a DTA day. The negative to this, and I found this out when I was doing early entry, like it's great, you get up and roll out of bed and you only have a five-minute walk to security, but it puts you way behind the eight ball for early entry because you're getting in at the far end of the pier while everybody else is at the rope right by Avengers Campus. And most of the attractions that are open for early entry are right around Avengers Campus, Guardians, Web Slingers, the things that you want to rope drop. So there's no way to beat the crowds if you're using this private entrance for early entry. If you're like hardcore about maximizing early entry, you've got to go around and that's a 15 minute walk. So that that stinks. So maybe good for midday entry, but not so good for just regular day entry. Now, looking at some prices, you grabbed some prices for us. 
it just looks like consistently it's about $150 cheaper than Disneyland Hotel and closer to $300 cheaper than Grand Californian. So you're saving, you know, at least $150 a night. But what I'm curious about, Leslie, is, you know, I guess the question is, will you stay there again? Because I know that before the Pixar Place retheme, your advice has always been Disneyland Hotel and up or offsite. Just do not pass go, do not yeah. go to Paradise Pier is what it <laughs> used to be called. But now that Pixar Place with the retheme and things like that, have you changed your mind on all of that? So I would stay there again. I did think the rooms were nice. The little extras and the decor was really whimsical. I think my kids would like it a lot. I think if my kids were younger, I would really choose to stay there. So I think the sweet spot is for you know folks who have younger kids, like three to eight, somewhere in that range, I think is the the theming is really going to resonate with that crowd. And, you know, I think folks, younger families are always looking to save a little bit of money, especially so you are saving that $150 off the Disneyland Hotel. That said, me personally, I'm going to pay $150 more to stay at the Disneyland Hotel. Like to me, the extra $150 to have the more full service experience, to have closer access to the monorail, even though you don't have a private entrance into either of the parks, the monorail kind of serves that that, that function a little bit to me. Like I'm probably, all things being equal, going to stay at the Disneyland Hotel for extra money. But I would stay here again, especially if the prices are closer to the lower end of 400 versus skewing closer to, to $500 a night. So I guess I'm reserving judgment to see where the prices shake out. But it's very much now on par with the Disneyland Hotel and the Grand Californian for the monetary amount that's charged. And that was not the case before. So I give it two thumbs up in the grand scheme of things. But you know, I will say, I am somehow less inclined to stay at an on-property hotel now that Disneyland has moved to early entry only in one park per day because it used to be you wanted to stay on property because the early entry folks were ahead of you every single day, and which is the case at Disney World. Well, now, as long as you go to the park that doesn't have early entry, if you're staying off property, you are first at the rope drop. So in some ways, they've devalued <laughs> their own hotels by going to every other day. So for me, I mean, I guess... If I really needed early entry for some reason to a specific park, I would definitely consider this at the, at the lowest price level. But it's not the slam dunk. None of the hotels are the slam dunk that they could be if Disney adjusted the benefits accordingly. You played yourself, Disneyland. Like, why you do that? You know, you played yourself. Well, that's a great breakdown of Pixar Place, and hopefully it'll be helpful to people if they're thinking about staying there. We're going to talk really quickly about your experiences in the parks before that, let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to it. Welcome to Codependence. What's up, guys? I'm Sierra Miller, and I want you to join me and my sister, Maya Allen, every week for the inside scoop into our sisterhood. You will be getting front row access to the good, the bad, the ugly, and the pretty. So come let your guard down with your fellow codependents as we laugh and, of course, cry our way through this crazy world. See you every Wednesday. Just a quick reminder, we would really appreciate your support. If you could check us out on patreon.com slash Deciphered, you can subscribe there to receive bonus content. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, 
please check us out at youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. Like the page, subscribe, comment, hit that bell button for notifications. We'd really appreciate it. Now, the first experience that we want to hear about is your experience at the Lunar New Year celebration. You went from never going to two years in a row now, is it? So I would love to hear, you know, what was your experience with that, you know, overall celebration? I saw the dragon in the Grand Californian. That was awesome. I mean, I love how Disneyland is much more flexible and much much more adaptable when there are different things going on at different times of year. And so that looked really awesome. But overall, how did the celebrations seem? I love Lunar New Year. And I the fact that I hadn't gone until last year is not for lack of interest because you know I love my Asian food. So this is kind of like my festival. And this is kind of lower key. This is more like Festival of the Arts at Epcot. This is the smallest of the festivals that Disneyland has. But it's so, so good. The decorations are amazing. The sort of performances are, you know, not over the top, but really deliver. There's a great little parade with Mulan and some performers. But the food is so good, Joe. <laughs> you know how I am. But like garlic noodles and dumplings and all sorts of great, great dim sum kind of items. It's it's fantastic. And they do bring in you know, not just Chinese food, but also like Vietnamese, like several different Asian cultures mixed in, Korean, things like that. So lots of choices if you enjoy food from the Asian continent. And yeah, I think it's a great, great festival. And the dragon in the Grand Californian is the icing on the cake. But again, it is smaller, like only, I think, five food booths. So not like what you'll see in a few weeks when food and wine starts in the spring. And is everything in California Adventure, like food and wine, like everything is concentrated there, nothing in Disneyland or anything like that? Yeah, everything's in DCA. I mean, they do have decorations in downtown Disney and then obviously in the hotels and there's some some specialty kind of things, but the, the festival is entirely in DCA. And so what were some of your favorite things that you ate? And I'm curious because you're the one who always mentions this. Did it feel like the food was designed for Instagram first or for taste first? Or did, you know, they finally thread that needle and manage to hit both? I think the drinks are designed for Instagram. The desserts are designed for Instagram. But the food of this festival is designed for taste. The garlic noodles are not much to photograph. We'll probably put a photo up here on the YouTube, right? And I mean, they're fine, but they tasted really good. Brown uh, noodles. <laughs> brown. Love to look at it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But like dumplings often don't photograph cute either, unless you're like doing like full on, you know, dim sum with like characters and things like that. Re- regular dumplings and things like that don't photograph it great either. So I-, I give the chefs thumbs up for taste on this one. How many of the five food booths did you manage to get something at? I only went to two of them because that was where like the bulk of the noodles and the dim sum were. There was another, there there actually were too many drinks at the festival. So I thought it was sort of a lot of them were like drink and a Mickey macaron. And I I don't need that. I like, I want to have the the authentic food. So there was a noodle one by Pixar Pier area. And then the dumpling one was kind of in a little nook by Avengers Campus. So like either ends of the festival was where I spent my time. And what are lines like? I've seen food and wine lines and they can be pretty significant. Did you find that you were waiting in line a lot? Did it move pretty quickly? You know, what was your experience with that? We ate pretty early when the booths opened at 1030. So we did not really wait in any lines. And then we went again later in the afternoon. So as long as you're not eating at peak lunch hour, it's pretty good. We bought a sip and savor pass 
which, you know, you, you get a discount if you buy like six items. So we use that and it's moving a lot faster now because they just scan it digitally, whereas they used to have these little tabs that you had to peel off. And, and you can order like all the Disneyland festivals. You can order at one booth, but pick up at another booth. So you can stand in line just one time, order everything you're going to eat and like walk down the line and then keep your receipts and do pickups. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty useful. And yeah. is it the same system where like you go to the pickup, you give them your receipt and then they give you whatever you're supposed to have? Yeah, they cross off. If you have things for different booths, they'll just cross off the one at the, at the booth you're picking up and you hang on to the receipt for the next booth. That's really convenient. All right. And the other new thing that you tried was Sweetheart's Night. We joked about it a little bit when we were talking about you going. I actually can't remember if that was on Patreon or on this main feed, but Sweetheart's Night. Tell us a little bit about this party. How much did it cost you? Was it weird to not go with your sweetheart? Like, wh- wh- how how was the whole overall experience? So I had a great time at Sweetheart's Night. I won't bury the lead. I paid a hundred without your husband. Without my husband. <laughs> I paid $149 for the ticket on the night that we went. It does go a little bit more expensive than that. Valentine's Day being, I think, of course, the most expensive one. Or I can't remember if there's one actually on Valentine's Day itself or around it. But but that's that's the priciest one. It's an after-hours event, so you could treat it like just an after-hours and ride a lot of rides. Or you can treat it like the themed event that you might want to if you actually were going with your sweetheart. But because I was with friends, we just treated it like okay, we've got lower lines. We're going to see how many rides we can do. We're going to, you know, take a look at the extras that are added, but not make them the the priority. And, you know, this is something where I think folks have to understand the difference between Disneyland and Disney World. At Disneyland, it's, it's very LA. People like their photo ops. They like their rare characters. They like their food. That is such a priority for almost all the folks who are locals going there. And as a result, there were a lot of people who weren't doing rides. And we did rides. We did 11 rides <laughs> during the course of the evening without even trying that hard, not Was going that hard. Four hours? So the party is from officially from 9 p.m. till 1 a.m., so four hours, but then there's a three-hour mix-in from 6 to 9. So we got there about 6... 45, somewhere around there, just to kind of miss the craziness. And then we left before midnight. We couldn't make it the last hour. So if we had really been hardcore about it, I mean, I think easily getting 20 rides in is doable for somebody who wants to really, really take advantage. And, you know, I know that you did not wait in line for the characters, but I'm curious, like, what characters did you see? I saw that you took pictures from a distance, like little drive-by pictures. What are the characters that you thought, you know, the unique characters that were fun and may have been worth waiting for, you know, especially if you were with your kids or with someone who wanted to take those pictures? What, what would people expect if they were looking for rare characters? So Belle and the Beast were some of the most popular crazy long line that we saw. We did, you know, walk by and in between guests, like try to snap a picture. And then, I mean, then you have unique costumes for like the Fab Five. We saw Daisy and Donald in Valentine's outfits. We we did get to take a look for a little while at Indiana Jones and Marion. They were actually atop the Jungle Cruise. So not meeting and greeting and doing a photo op, but just sort of like acting out above the crowd. So you were just, it was fun to like watch them 
And there were a lot of other characters. I'm trying to remember who, I mean, definitely some rare ones. We did have enjoy the dance party in Tomorrowland with Stitch and Angel. So that was a lot of fun. That was actually, it was an interesting mix. Like the, there were very few kids attending this party, just I think because it is so late. But the kids that were at the party were dancing with Lilo or Angel and Stitch. And then, of course, it was a, like a lot of millennials like rocking out to, you know, the dance party. So it was a lot of fun. And then us, old Gen Xers. <laughs> just yeah just just holding your hips on the in the background <laughs> so any other interesting entertainment cavalcades are, are there any like projection shows or anything like what else is there to see on sweethearts night yeah so there's a cavalcade it was kind of a royal processional of cinderella in her carriage lots of real horses it was really cute it was not it was more than a cavalcade, less than a parade i would say in terms of disney standards so that was great we actually just walked up to the hub literally five minutes before it started got a spot right on the curb and were able to watch it 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 ran three times during the evening that we were there so i think that gives folks a lot of time to see it and it runs all the way down main street to small world so that's easy to see and thought that was absolutely worth it and then they have projections all on the the castle along main street the shops and then on front of small world i didn't see whether there were projections on rivers of america because i didn't get over that far but, you know, hearts and, and fun music, really fun soundtrack, definitely some high school musical that we got to hear, lots of love songs. So it was fun. It was actually a really fun event for a girls' night. And I had never attended an after-hours event at Disneyland before. I absolutely would again after this. I thought it gave great value for the cost for what we were able to do, not having to like mess with Genie Plus, just be like, let's go ride a ride. And I mean, everything in Fantasyland was essentially a walk-on most of the night. And then the thrill rides, at most, they were like 25-minute waits, tops. But if you waited till later in the evening, they were almost walk-ons. It's good to know. Well, it sounds like that's an awesome experience. A sweetheart's night is definitely something worth checking out if you're in the area or if you're at Disneyland during that time. Now, we're not going to get too into this because I know you talked about it a little in your trip report and you'll talk about it in the trip report you'll record once your voice is like fully back. But I know, you know, we don't like to brag, but we actually do like to brag. So I just wanted to hear a little bit about, you know, how Genie Plus went for you at Disneyland. I know you had one full day in Disneyland, you know, with a park hopper, so Disneyland California Adventure. Was it still shooting fish in a barrel? Yeah, I mean, you're nodding already, but I mean, I already know the answer, but you know, go ahead, get your flowers. Yes, it was. I mean, I didn't really have a full day to use it. I did do early entry and we went hard until 1030 when the Lunar New Year booths opened and then we ate a lot of food and then we parked up at hopped at 1130. So, and then we rode rides for about two more hours. So we really only were riding rides 730, 1030. So three hours in the morning break and then two hours in the early afternoon before we had to go to an event. So, and then I did come back into the parks for like one hour that night, later that night, I rode 14 rides that day. The 12 of them were before that, that one forty-five break. So it really was easy. And then I saw later on social media and in, in my Facebook group that I run, people were complaining about the crowds that day and obviously missed the busiest time because I left the parks before too, but I didn't feel it using Genie plus smartly. I really didn't feel it. I didn't notice the only place I noticed the crowds was, you know, the insanity by pirates of the Caribbean, because there's so many rides closed on that side of the park. And then they've added this lightning lane temporarily 
two pirates, which makes the standby line back up that much more in New Orleans Square that much crazier. So like you saw crowds there, but it was just as a result of construction more than anything. But, you know, again, I think if you're willing to go early, you're willing to pay for Genie Plus at Disneyland, it is super, super easy, even on a fairly reasonably high crowd day. Well, that's awesome. And it's good to know that, you know, you still got it just because I know for some reason on YouTube, our most popular video is our Genie Plus in Disneyland video. So, you know, if you are going to Disneyland and you need some Genie Plus help, go ahead and check that out. Now, Leslie, we're going to close things out here before we get to Disney do's and don'ts. You already alluded to it, but since this is a Disneyland episode, tell us a little bit about your Facebook group and where people can find that. Sure. So I run the Disneyland with Kids Facebook group with three other fantastic bloggers, Becca, Julie, and Jessica. We'll leave the URL in the show notes for folks to join, but we are always talking about strategies and stuff there. So come join us. Joe, where can folks find you? You can find me at Asjo Flies on social media if you're looking to book a trip. Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net with an M. And you can find Leslie, tripswithtikes at gmail.com and also at our website, tripswithtikes.com. Throwing it back to you, Leslie, for your Disneyland do's and don'ts. What do you have for us today? All right, Disney do. I think one thing that folks will find pretty valuable at Disneyland are those multiple experience Genie Plus Lightning Lanes, which you get when a ride goes down. And Disneyland has been having a lot of ride closures and breakdowns. So you, if you want to maximize your chance of getting one of these like really good multiple experience passes that you can use to you know, further optimize your day, then I highly, highly recommend booking in DCA, Toy Story Mania. That ride often doesn't open with the parks. So you have a good shot. And I did this trip and the previous trip get a multiple experience pass off of that first thing in the morning. And so book that in DCA. And then at Disneyland, book Indiana Jones because that's still kind of the the wild card. It's better than it used to be in terms of breakdowns because it did have a renovation this past year, but it still has operational issues. So book that to either ride it or get your multiple experience pass. Great tip. Well, Leslie, I'm glad you had a good time in Disneyland and thank you for sharing your experience with us. If any of you have checked out the new Pixar Place, Sweethearts Night, Lunar New Year celebrations, we'd love to hear your experiences. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WWDeciphered on Twitter or on Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to us. We really appreciate all of you out there who listen. And other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you planning a real sweetheart's night with your husband at Disney World. Disneyland, oh my gosh. Thanks, Jeff.